Welcome to Cloudcast Basics, the best source on the internet for learning cloud computing. And now from the Cloudcast Studios, here are your hosts, Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely. Hello and welcome to Cloudcast Basics, Season 3, Episode 1. This is your co-host, Brian Gracely, and with me as always is my co-host, Aaron Delp. Hey, everyone. Aaron, today we're going to talk about how traditional IT economics work. So for those who haven't really dug into it, we're going to kind of step back a little bit and give you a baseline. And then we're going to talk about why it's being disrupted by the cloud. So why don't you get us started, you know, kind of give us some the basics, the fundamentals of kind of how traditional IT has always worked. Yeah, absolutely. And something we've done in previous seasons of this is kind of start with a little bit of history. And, and it's really important for economics because... Probably this, even more so than the technology at times, was where the single biggest disruption happened, right? This movement from CapEx to OpEx and hardware and software buying cycles, everything is completely different with the cloud. So so kind of let me start with a, a bit of history, right? If you were in this industry, say, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you bought hardware or software on a refresh cycle. Um, and we always had some kind of rules of thumb, right? Like we'd say, hey, server refreshes is like three years. And, and um, you know, that that big SAN might be five years and networking might be seven years. It, it was always on, um, you bought it under CapEx and you depreciated those assets over time. And then you bought software uh, licenses typically in one, three, or five-year contracts on, on enterprise license agreements or ELAs. Well, guess what? You, you had software running on hardware, and sometimes those didn't line up, and you had refresh cycles, and the software you know might get refreshed at a different time than the hardware. Sometimes it was refreshed at the same time. It led to a pretty complex, almost if you think of it as like a mesh network or a big, you know, a lot of people had spreadsheets to track all of this of what was due when and what was going to be, you know, up when and, and forecasting and budgeting for this became extremely difficult. Um, and, and that's where this has really transitioned with cloud. Um, Brian, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what was interesting uh, back then was, you know, not only, like you said, did you have these these long cycles and you had, uh, you know, sort of different matrices to keep up with, um, you also had to keep up with, uh, you know, support contracts that were added on top of just buying the hardware and software. So you'd pay whatever it was for the actual equipment and technology, plus then you'd typically pay about 20% of that cost every single year for, uh, for support. Um, and what really kind of created these weird scenarios was, uh, you know, you'd have technology that maybe out of date, maybe holding your business back, but you really weren't kind of enabled to go change it until that contract ran out or it had been fully depreciated, right? So in a lot of cases, you know, the the accountants were holding up your ability to go change the business with technology because they were like, hey, we haven't fully depreciated these things. You know, we, we, we have to do it, like you said, in seven years or five years. Well, the business might have changed. You know, it might have 
radically changed in a few years, depending on you know where you were, uh, you know, at any given point in time. So, I think the biggest thing to take away from it was, you know, you had to make long-term decisions. You had to sort of live with those decisions for a long time, um, and oftentimes, you know, the the longevity of that was preventing you from from being, you know, agile and adaptive, and 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 be able to really impact the business beyond just, you know, back back office types of applications that would that would stick around forever. Yeah, and and I'll add another piece to it, and then we'll move into kind of where we're at today, and 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 what is different, and and really the transition that happened. Think about this for a second. Let's say you were putting something new in. Well, again, to your point, you had to forecast it, so you had to figure out how long am I going to use this. Well, what if it was really successful? Um, maybe it was so successful you needed even more. You didn't plan quite effectively, or what if it wasn't successful? Now that's a you know three to five year write off that might happen, or might maybe you had to do a, a, a proof of concept, a POC, um, to get it going. Well. Maybe you did that and the POC was there a lot of times, those POCs, because they cost time and money for, for a lot of vendors. They were contractually obligated and take a long time and lots of checkboxes and approvals. So just nothing was fast and nothing was really moving at the speed of the business and everything was considered in terms of how long this project is going to live and how long you were going to be paying for that project. Yeah. And you really, you couldn't account for any seasonality in your business. So, I mean, if your business was, you know, if we think about a lot of businesses, maybe they, um, you know, have more demands at the end of the month. So maybe it's, you know, you're a car company and you're selling more at the end of the month or you're a tax preparation service and like March and April is really busy for you, or you're in retail and, uh, you know, November and December is your busiest time of the year. Well, you couldn't, you couldn't sort of adjust for that, right? Like you couldn't say, well, you know, I need a hundred units at the end of the year, but I only need like four units at the beginning of the year. Well, you had to buy all hundred units of, of technology up front so that you could plan for that capacity, right? So you also had no flexibility, even if your forecasting was good to deal with seasonality or, you know, ups and downs throughout the year and so forth. Yep, absolutely. I'll add another one. I feel like we're beating up traditional IT here. Um. <laughs> well, look, here's the, here's the deal, right? There's a reason why cloud computing has been growing so fast. Is, is yeah. you know, More than anything, it's not that the technology is amazing. It's that the economic model was broken. Yeah, exactly. And think of it this way. What we really did with cloud is, is we unlocked that value and we uncoupled this this tight coupling that was there between the finance of everything and the technology right i'll give you another one um you know a lot of software that's out there today if it's in the cloud it typically has a free tier or a freemium tier that allows you to really do a certain amount of trying uh before you're buying so that that helps mitigate a lot of that poc that we were talking about before um and then large vendors over time kind of caught on to all of this, right? They, they kind of understood that buy upfront thing may have been painful. So then they started to create some creative financing um, and, and that would allow everyone to kind of do more like on-demand pricing over time. But you still had to put that data or put those racks in a data center somewhere. You still had to put power to it. You still had to do cooling around it. If you were doing disaster recovery, you still had to plan around all of that. So um, there was a lot of other factors that had to be considered in all of this. And it was an extremely different time and model. And there is uh, very legitimate reasons, which we're going to really talk about in the next episode, 
of why we transitioned into this new model. Yeah, and some of you might be asking, well, you know, uh, you know, I've heard about a lot of these things, but like, you know, didn't open source uh, and sort of the free software movement didn't that fix a lot of these things? And yeah, to a certain extent, right? We saw things like Linux come along and and really disrupt like the Windows market, but more importantly, like the Linux, the the Unix market, and that sort of broke apart hardware and software. We've seen that disrupt, you know, kind of the big iron types of things. But you know, keep in mind. Um, you know, free software technology means somebody has to have skill set to be able to set it up and run it and operate it. And so, you know, for some companies, they were capable of dealing with that. But, you know, to be able to change things at a large scale, you've got to be able to make things simpler to access, simpler to acquire, simpler to run. And so, you know, things like open source came in towards the end of that last cycle, you know, where everything was kind of proprietary and started breaking it up and showing people what was possible. But the cloud really took it to a whole different level. And we're really going to dig into that uh, in the next few episodes as we talk about how it's changed. Yep, Aaron, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, actually, and I'm going to add one final one as well. Um, I would say, too, you were, you, were, you kind of ha- gave me a thought there when you were talking about different, mo- different models and different ways to think about this. You know, staffing was definitely one as well. We talked about facilities, right? You, We actually had, and we still do have, people that specialize in, in facilities, right? So you had to have a facility staff, right? F- folks that could figure out power and could figure out cooling and ha- do all of those calculations. And, and so there was a lot of very specialized staffing that came out of this era. Yeah. Um, well, one other thing about staffing before we wrap up, you know, the other thing that happened was, you know, a lot of times companies thought about technology as being, you know, a thing that was going to save them money, right? We're going to, we're going to, you know, automate some bill paying system or, a, you know, something on the back end of our of what we do for supply chain. And so then in a lot of cases, they started outsourcing that. And what they were doing was outsourcing their their technical know-how and their, uh, you know, their their ability to keep up with new technologies. You know, we're going to talk about as we get into the cloud sort of economics, that sort of is forcing a lot of companies to start thinking about, hmm, maybe I need to bring those skills back in-house or I need to find some way to to re-harness technical skills because I'd kind of given them away and technology has become so much of a differentiator for, you know, your business, your business experience, your user experience, how you deal with your partners. So um, that's also going to be a big part of this. You know, we went from outsourcing to a lot of people insourcing or trying to better control their skill sets. Yeah. Fantastic point. Fantastic point. Okay. So in closing, we hope you can see how the old way of really buying this technology, installing this technology, led to this disruptive model of cloud computing. On the next show, we're going to take a look at the basics of cloud economics. Thank you for listening to Cloudcast Basics. You can find all the show details at cloudcastbasics.net or in your favorite podcast player.